That's an awesome place to be. Acts chapter 16. Better get moving here. Tonight we're going to talk about uh, what, what Paul had said, uh, or what, what had happened with Paul in his evangelism. And we're going to focus in on these two verses here tonight, forbidden by the Holy Ghost. There was a time here when, when the Apostle Paul was, what God forbid him to, to go any further in the direction that he was going. God actually stopped him. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. Uh, Acts 16, 6 says, Now when they had gone throughout Fergia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, after they were come to Mysia, they essayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. So they were, they were stopped. They were hindered from moving forward in the direction that they wanted to go. God made it very evident. We're going to talk about that a little bit. Let's pray first. Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you. Uh, please just bless us now, Lord, with the scriptures and help us to understand them and help us to apply them to our lives and to grow thereby. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, the Great Commission was to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And we know that Christ said of the Apostle Paul in Acts 9.15, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. So now we look at the totality of this calling of this man, uh, of the Apostle Paul and of his mission. And we learn that God can and does forbid certain things at times in certain places for us to minister. You know, not every, not every opportunity is the right opportunity. Not every opportunity to preach the gospel or that we can perceive as an opportunity may be the right opportunity. There may be times where it's not expedient. It's not right. It wouldn't be a good situation to be in. There are times that that, that we can be in those places, uh, sometimes those times of hurriedness and, and hastiness and different, different uh, times of, of that nature and things can, can um, those things can happen too as well. But in this, God definitively, through the power of the Holy Ghost and through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, stopped Paul, stopped him in his tracks where he was headed to go plant churches and said no. Not that way. And so the first thing uh, that I think we can learn from this, and, and we're going to talk about how God did that in some of, the, some of the areas like that, but the first way that we can understand about, the first thing that we can understand about this is, number one, it illustrates that God is in control always. No matter what is happening, the first thing we must remember is that God Almighty is in control that he is the one that sits on high, and he is the lofty one that sits above all men in the heavens. He is high above all principalities and powers. God knows what is best for us, and his wisdom far surpasses our wisdom and understanding. There are things that you and I just do not know, and sometimes we wonder, like those that in the end times, that they'll wonder with great admiration, right? Like we talked about in our Bible verses in Revelation 17. We'll wonder about that, why God would do something like that. 
why God would not allow something in our lives. Or when God stops something from happening. And we, we want to question that and we wonder about that, why God would do that. But God is in control of all things. His ways are past finding out. And we must always submit to the wisdom of God in all things. I think one of the things that you have to understand about God being in control is that there are dark providences that we do not understand. There are going to be times in your life when things happen and that God allows things to happen and you just cannot understand why. The question you have is why? And sometimes that question is not always answered. It's answered in John, in John chapter 13, verse 7. Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. That has to be enough for you and I sometimes. When God says, when God says no or he forbids something, it has to be enough that Jesus says to us, What I do thou knowest not now. But there's going to come a day when you're going to understand it. You're going to know. Jesus said there were, things, there, there were many things that he had to say unto them, but they could not bear it at that time. You know, there are things that, that can be said to you or should be said to you or need to be said to you, and sometimes they can't be because you just can't bear them. So God doesn't unload that on you. There are things that I, I can look back as a new Christian when I was newly saved 19 years ago, and, and, and I can look back at that and I can say, you know, if God would have showed me some things <laughs> that he showed me in the last four or five years, I wouldn't have been able to handle it. But the Lord allowed it to come later. And he allowed it to the understanding of those things to come later. And sometimes there's things that you just can't fathom why God would do. When God tells us no, when God forbids us from doing something or going somewhere, we have to realize that we don't know everything. In fact, largely when it comes to the mysterious or secret will of God versus the revealed will of God, we have to trust the Lord through all things. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not on thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. You know, here's the thing about it. Paul was a very headstrong person. Like when Paul set his face in a direction, he was going that direction. And I mean, it didn't matter what was in his way, he was going. But then at this point, God got in his way. Just like he did when Paul was on the road to, or on the road to um, Damascus. Damascus, thank you. When he was on the road to Damascus, <laughs> Jesus stopped him. Got right in his way, didn't he? Well, here he did it again. Only he did it through the Holy Spirit. He stopped Paul. Paul's like, well, I want to go plant churches all over this area. And he was forbidden of the Holy Ghost to do it. God had his reasons. God always has his reasons, by the way. God doesn't do anything for no reason at all. He's not vain. God has a purpose and a reason for allowing all things. He has a purpose and a reason. He has a will. And a purpose and a reason. Paul showed his submission to the Lord as he was forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word there. This must have been confusing to him. And let me assure you as a Christian and as a pastor as well that you will have rather confusing times in your Christian life. 
There, there are going to come different times in your Christian life that you simply will not understand. You'll look ahead at the road and it becomes very foggy. And it's, it's unclear. And you do not understand why you feel the way you do, why you're going through the things that you're going through, why, why you have to deal with these things, why God is allowing these things in your life. That will come. If it hasn't already, it will come. It will happen in your Christian life. And you will sit and you will wonder why. And, 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 and really, it's the dark providences of God. That's what it is. Strange times that will happen. Let me also assure you that it may not be a short time that you go through such a thing. It may be a rather long time that you suffer such things. I went through some of those things for years, for a portion of years that just seemed to go by where things were just dark and cloudy and very confusing, very hard to take. God did not reveal everything unto me as to why he would do the things that that he did. But he had a purpose and he had a reason for it. Just like there's a purpose and a reason for whatever the, the, the present dark providence may be in your life. That no, that forbidden, that, that thing that you want that God has forbidden you to have at this time. That God has said no to. Now, the best advice that I can give you concerning such times as these is that you continue on the plain path of duty and you veer not off of it. Stick to what you do know and do not put much thought into what you do not know. I'm going to say that to you again very clearly. Stick to what you do know from the scriptures and don't give much thought into things that you don't know. Don't spend much time speculating in the dark. It is not profitable at all. To speculate at darkness. It is only profitable to focus on the light. And the light of the world is Jesus. Focus on what you do know. Don't focus on what you don't understand. You will grow more from focusing on Christ than you will on the present dark providence that you find yourself in. Strange times can bring much confusion. But be not confused about this one thing. Always obey the revealed will of God, and you will never be moved by the fog or the dark providences that you find yourself in. Times of insecurity or times of difficulty are not times to be unfaithful to the Lord, but they are times to continue on in that plain path of duty. And rest assured, the sun will shine again and the clouds shall disperse and you will become clear again. Your way will become clear again. God is in the pillar and the cloud. God's smiling face is behind the dark or foggy skies. Remember, even in Egypt, it was the Lord that was behind the thick darkness that could be felt. And also remember, the Bible says of God, when he told Sam, when Samuel, Solomon said this, then spoke uh, Solomon, the Lord said that he would dwell in the thick darkness. When you find yourself in thick darkness, that's where God dwells. Amen. That's where he dwells, in the thick darkness. God's not afraid of the dark. The darker things may get for you, the more the presence of God you can enjoy. You can seek after. 
And Moses stretched forth his hand toward heaven, and there was thick darkness in all the land of Egypt three days. Exodus 20, verse number 21 says, And the people stood afar off, and Moses drew near unto the thick darkness where God was. See, don't be afraid of the dark. Don't run from that darkness like that when it comes. You can run from sin, but darkness, don't. Dark providences and dark things that happen in your mind and your heart, you need not run away from them, but walk through them. Like they walk through the like we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You walk through those things. You don't run from them. Running will do you no good. When Christian was in the, the valley of the shadow of death, he, you know, some of his weapons of warfare didn't do him any good. He had to just continue to walk through there. He had to stick to all prayer in the dark. Well, you have to stick to all prayer in the dark. That's the weapon. In Ephesians chapter 6, all prayer is a weapon. And it's a defensive weapon, or it's an offensive weapon, and defensive, but it's offensive. It's for our offense. It's for our fighting. It's our war that we might war good warfare. It's part of the, it's part of the weapon that we use with the sword. Prayer is one of the greatest weapons. Do you know, um, and you know, we don't agree with the theolo- some of the things that uh, the, the reformers did and, and things like that, but was it Mary, was it Mary, Bloody Mary, that said she was more afraid of the prayers of John Knox than she was of standing armies? Think about that for a second. And that's the truth. And that's the way it should be in this world. People shouldn't be afraid that, that we're going to physically harm them or anything like that. They should be afraid that we'll tell God. Let me, let, me, let me say that again to you. They shouldn't be afraid that you're going to physically harm them. They should be afraid that you're going to talk to God. See what I mean? That's, what, that's the way it should be. That's, what, that's, that's the... That's that fear. That's the fear that she had. She had. She was afraid. She was powerful, but she was afraid of that man's prayers to God. Isn't that how it should be? Isn't that the weapons of our warfare? That's how it should be. And in the dark, it should be the same way. Did you know that thick darkness is nine times in the King James Bible? That phrase, thick dark, those two words, thick darkness, that number nine is the number of fruit, right? The fruit of the Spirit, nine Study that out. Uh, how uh, A woman is with child nine months, right? If you look at that number all the way through there, that's the number of fruitfulness. That means that God's people, when darkness comes upon them, when they go through those things, they are times of fruitfulness. They actually are times that they grow more. I can tell you that I, I, that, that I as a Christian, grew more in the dark than I did when things were clear to me in that sense why because my faith was tried more and your faith will be tried more and to think of this that paul he goes to one place and god forbids him to go any further then he suffers him then he goes to the next place and he suffers him not to go there either so at this point paul's probably thinking what in the world is going on you know god you called me to do this you called me to go start churches the gentiles and now you forbid me to do this Number two, the Holy Ghost did forbid Paul to preach in that place. I like how one man says it. He says, Paul was on his second missionary journey when he was hindered thus by the Spirit of his Lord. He made up his mind to go northward to Bithynia when somehow he was divinely checked. How the door was thus shut on him, we are not told. It is one of the wise 
reticence of scriptures, of the scriptures. Perhaps he was warned by some prophetic voice or visited by irresistible conviction. On the other hand, if one prefer it in Song of Solomon, we may think of the pressure of circumstance or health. For Paul would never have hesitated to find in these the checking power of the Holy Ghost. Whatever form the prohibition took, you may be sure it was very dark to the apostle. Paul was not at all the kind of man who took a delight in being contradicted. When he had set his heart on going northward, not selfishly, but in the service of his Lord, it was a bitter experience to be so checked and to have the door shut in his face. Think about that. That's what happened to him. The door was shut. The question may be asked, how was Paul forbidden of the Holy Ghost? Was it the inward promptings of the Spirit? Was it a vision or a dream? Was it prophecy of the Lord by a prophet that showed them and delivered him the words like Agabus did? Did the Lord appear unto them? We're not told how this message was delivered to Paul. And I think I know why we weren't told that. Because in this sense, it really doesn't matter how the Lord delivered the message, but that the Holy Ghost forbade him, forbid him from going there. He stopped him. He said no. Did God simply remove it from his heart, the burden or the desire at that time to go and set him in a different direction? You see, in that area, there was a heavy concentration of Jews. And Paul would have naturally had the desire to reach those people. He never lost. You know, God sent him all the way over to the Gentiles. I will send him far under the Gentiles. But guess what never left Paul's heart? The Jews, his own people, he couldn't forget them. He just couldn't forget that they were lost and dead in sins. And it burdened him and it gripped him so much. It bothered him. You know, sometimes that's the case. You know, that, that, that you know, we'll get to that in a second. I'll save that for, for, for a minute here. But rest assured one thing, if God wants to get a message to you, he surely will. <laughs> sometimes he delivers it by many obstacles and gives not the will to press forward, but redirects us another way. Sometimes God does that. Sometimes he just, he puts a, a number of obstacles before you. Sometimes he allows a number of obstacles be, to be put before you. So you pray through them and you continue on and he gives you the will to continue on. I'm telling you, it's all of the Lord. I, I, I believe that just like when I compare the two times that I've moved out of this house to get ready to sell it. The last time God, God showed me, he said, nope, you go back. Well, that doesn't make any sense at all, right? It didn't. It does now. Three years later, it makes sense. Three years later, there's $35,000 worth of work that was done to it. Three years later, there's other things in place. Three years later, my mind and my heart has healed the more and grown in grace and understood things. And the value has gone up. And the purpose and the reason is different now than it was before. The purpose and the reason was wrong before. It wasn't of faith. And whatsoever is not of faith is sin. And it wasn't of faith before. But now it is. But now it is. And God blesses it. But if God wants to get a message to you, he'll get it to you, right? 
problems, concerns, and trials can always come up, but God gives the will to continue forward in order to see us through the trials. He breathes endurance and purpose in life, guided by the Word of God, in order to give us strength to continue on. He leads us to pray for it, to run after it, and to press on through all obstacles. At any rate, in any way, God got the message to Paul, and he told him, you're not going there. You're not going to do that. Now. Not now. I think it's interesting. Let's compare the two with different things that have happened. With Jonah, he sent the storms, then the whale, to get Jonah to go back the other way. But then compare Paul's storm, which was worse than Jonah's, which was Euroclidon. And when he went through Euroclidon, what did God say to him? Don't worry about it, Paul. He, Jesus showed up that night and encouraged him and said, Paul, you're going to go. You're going to go all the way to Rome, man. You're not going to have any problems at all. No one's going to die. You're not going to lose a soul. See how God, if he wants you to do something, will get the message to you to do it. You've seen that, haven't you, in your own life? When God wanted you to do something, he gave you the endurance, the strength to press on and to move forward and to do it. But when he didn't want you to, he showed you by his providence and by dark by sometimes dark things that were at first that did not that you did not understand things that you could never understand why in the world can't i do this why can't i do this god god showed paul that he was forbidden of the holy ghost to do that you know god may do that to you he may show you some things that you want and you have a desire for and he may tell you no and you have to be prepared to obey the Lord, are you? Let me say this to you, and I believe this, and I believe it's very clear in the Scriptures as well. But sometimes men can't let go of their dreams, and they never get the vision God has for them. And the reason why is they're too busy, they're too busy dreaming about what they want and not wanting to see what God wants for them. That goes for women, too. Sometimes they're just not willing to let go what's in their hand to receive what God has for them. That's something to think about, isn't it? Because sometimes we're so headstrong and we want what we want that we're not willing to let go of what God has for us, to, to grasp onto what, with two hands to hold on what God has for us. Until we're willing to let it go, you can't see it. Until you let your dream, there, there's been men I've had to talk to uh, over the years about things like that because they were always big dreamers and running after things and putting themselves into jeopardy and causing a lot of trouble for their lives and their families and everything. I said, look, you just got to let go of that. And you're going to have to follow the plain path of duty. You're going to have to follow the Lord. And I'll tell you what, their life is way better now. Their marriage way better. Their family way better. Because they're willing to let go of some things and see what God had for them what God wanted for them. It's important to understand that. I've seen where people have done that with people they wanted to marry and weren't willing to let go of something that was wrong. It's very dangerous. Now, what was the reason Paul was forbidden to go? I think we can find it right here in verse 9. I want you to see this because I think it's fascinating, really. 
Look at this. It says, let's go back to verse 6. Now, when they had gone through Fergie and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, after they were come to Mysia, they essayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. And they, pressing by Mysia, passing by Mysia, came down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel to them. Why? In, in short, God wanted Paul to take the gospel to Europe. That's why. Oh, Paul, I'm going to give you all of Europe. Paul's like, but I want Bithynia and I want Galatia. Yeah, but I've got bigger things in mind. I've got somebody to go there in those directions, and you're going to come back there someday, Paul. But right now, I want you to take the gospel to Europe. I want you to go there. Think about that. Yeah. But the point to note is that though it was dark for Paul, it is bright as the sunshine of a summer morn for us. He was never more wisely or divinely guided than in the hour when he thought that he was baffled. What would have happened to him had the door been opened and he suffered to go into Bithynia? He would have turned away home again through lonely glens with his back to the mighty empires of the West. He would never have landed on the shore of Europe, never have lifted up his voice in Athens, never have preached the riches of his Savior beside the Roman palace of the Caesars. Paul was a true Jew in this respect. He had no ear for the calling of the sea. He would a thousand times rather have lived in the inland places than by the surge and thunder of the ocean. And it was only when every other path was barred that he was pushed unwillingly to Troas, where for him and for Europe everything was changed by the vision of the man from Macedonia. He was checkmated, and yet he won the game. He was thwarted, and it led him to his crown. Eager to advance with his good news, there arose before him the divine no thoroughfare. And yet that hour when he was hindered so was the hour when God was honoring him wonderfully and leading him to such a mighty service as it is is his highest he had ever dreamed of. Our path through life will often be indicated by the fact that the doors which lead off the straight track are barred and bolted so that we have no option save to go on. Thank God for that, by the way. Paul was blocked first on the left, then he should not go into the province of Asia, then on the right, that he should not go into Bithynia. Finally, he reached Troas and stood face to face with the ocean that lay between him and Europe. You know, God has his reasons. His reason was that this man in Macedonia, the vision and the place of the work that the Lord wanted Paul to pursue was there. Sometimes God has that for you. Sometimes there's things that you want that you think is the will of God or you think it's very important to you and you want to follow that and you want to run after it, but God says, no, that'll take you out of the will of God. And you can't imagine the thing that you want would take you out of the will of God. You couldn't imagine it. But God knows our hearts. He knows knows what we can handle. This was, the, this was from the simple reason that God wanted him to leave Asia where he had spent all his life and go and establish the gospel in Europe. That's something. God does that when he wants his men in certain places. He will providentially make it so. He will open doors and he will shut doors. He will make our paths straight and shut doors out that he wishes shut tight. And he will open doors that no man can shut. Amen. 
I believe that. I've lived it. I know it. I think it's ironic, but I think, I think Brother Paul, I, th- I think you're a perfect example of this. God sent you here to be in this church. God sent you back here to be in this church. <laughs> That's exactly, that was God that did that. He allowed all of that to happen for a purpose and a reason. I'm here to tell you that everyone that God wants here is here right now. And everybody that God wants here will be here. And no one will be able to chase them out. And no one will be able to bar them or keep them from that. Right. But God, God's will be done. God opens those doors. And He shuts those doors. And He teaches us through those things. God does that. All the forces of hell can try to shut that door and they can't shut it when God opens it. You know that? And if it's not God's will for you to go through a door of ministry, he will shut it up to you. And, and, and it might not, and not might or, or will or you're not might or will or desire or burden or anything like that can get you through that door if God doesn't want you going through it. That's why I said if somebody tells me they're, they're called to preach, well, the Lord will reveal that or called to pastor, I should say. I, I think most men are called to preach. Most people are called to preach in some, some respect, Right? We all are called to preach the gospel to every creature. So some are each in their proper order. So ladies, moms, grandmas, right? Single ladies, whatever. They have a proper order that they never leave. Right? And you are called to preach the gospel in that order. Men are called to preach the gospel in the order in which God has made them and created them. And some for ministry and for office and other things. You won't accidentally get into the ministry. If you do, you won't be in it very long. Because <laughs> so many things will happen, you won't want to stay. <laughs> so you won't stay. You just won't do it if, if, you're not a, if it's not of the Lord in that sense. I mean, when I say that ministry, I mean the office of a bishop in that sense. We're all in ministry, aren't we? Aren't we all ministers here? Right? Didn't you ladies come over and help my wife and minister to her needs? Aren't you ministers? Are, are you men, we minister to one another's needs, don't we? We're all ministers, aren't we? We're all servants. We're all ministers, each one of us. There's some that, are, that, that, that have an office and different things of that nature, but we're all ministers in this church, or we should be. If you're not, you better get ministering, right? Better get doing something then. Better get busy serving others. Amen. If it's not God's will, nothing will get you through that door. There'll be a great seal upon the door, and only the God-man can open that seal. And seeing that the triune God is unified in all things, it'll never happen. <laughs> there have been men that have tried, it hasn't worked. The Spirit compelled Paul to a course against his own inclination. I wonder how it is for you to have a strong burden to do something. You know, I know men that pastored out of sheer burden and walked away from it because it wasn't truly what God wanted them to do. They had a burden for it, and it was noble, but they weren't called. You and I may have many burdens and desires in ministry, and if you do, and if you are called to pastor, then no man will be able to shut that door. No man will be able to open a door for you. If they do, the staying power will not be there. It will prove that. 
It'll prove that it's of man. I've seen men that I believe were called by the desire of their wives or their mothers, but not by God. Right? Or they were called in that sense because they did not want to submit to a local New Testament church. Right. So they're called to run their own because they don't want to submit to That, that doesn't turn out well. Usually, it generally turns out bad. By the way, you may not, we may not even be talking about uh, ministry. Maybe it's marriage or a job or a house or finances or something else. And God has forbidden it at this time. It will not suffer to be so now. Verse 7 tells us they were come to Mesia, then essayed to go into Bethnia, but the Spirit suffered them not. He suffered them not at the time. Later, possibly, but not now. Sometimes our plans are not God's plans, and he makes that manifest. You know, God had bigger and better plans for his beloved apostle, and he was about to find out that he was going to preach the gospel to all of Europe. Remember, he said unto him, "Depart, Depart, for I will send thee far hence unto the Gentiles. And far hence would he go to answer that Macedonian call. I think about that in this church. And I wonder if God will not do the same thing with the young men of this church. If he will not call them to preach the gospel and plant churches throughout the known world. In our Jerusalem, in our Judea, in our Samaria, in the uttermost part of the earth. And will he not call young men from here? And and will we not, as, as, as a church, plant churches throughout the world? Who knows where God would have some of our young men plant churches? Who knows when we're old if... Uh, as old men, if we're not flying around to these church plants everywhere. You know, I know that before the Lord forbid uh, some things, that it should be done earlier in our ministry. But I believe He'll permit them to be done later and ordain it to be done in the latter part of it. I think that we as a church can catch that vision for that Macedonian call. And it could be unconventional, different. Will our young men be different? And will they have trades and be tent makers and go out and, and, and us send them out and start churches all over? A simple church, that simple church model. You know why God didn't allow men to come here and try to catch that vision and they couldn't catch that vision and they had to leave? Why? Because God wanted us to raise them up and he wanted to use this church to raise them up. That's why. So they grow up. So these young boys and young girls, they grow up in this. And they know that simple church model. And they haven't been romanticized by a bunch of phony garbage out there in the world. They haven't been taught to be man pleasers, but to please God. And have a simple church model that you could have in a village somewhere over in Africa or Romania or some other country somewhere. You can have it in a house somewhere. Or in a field somewhere without the government or a prison ministry. Think about that. I think so that God may have forbidden it for a time like he did the Apostle Paul for a reason. I think the Lord was seasoning me in this church for the work he has called us to do. And it's not an accident that we have more children than adults. And that these young men may rise up and answer that call. 
and that these young women marry these young men and be, and be the helpmeet they need. And they be that they've been raised up in this church to know that simple church model and understand it and think about it and catch the vision for it. That this church preaches keepers at home, the roles of the sexes, proper understanding of all things, and the foundation of the word of God and evangelism. Think about those things. Those are things that are not taught in most Baptist churches today. And, and here's what I believe. <laughs> that we are going to get older, of course. And as we get older, we are going to watch and we are going to lay hands on and we are going to send our children all over the world. That's what I believe. And at least all over our Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria. But will we be willing to let them go? That's the thing. Will we catch the vision for that? We better catch it now. We better prepare for it now because I believe that these young men and these young women, they're being trained what it means to be a wife. They're being trained what it means to be a keeper at home. These women are, they're being trained to know what spouse to marry. They're being trained to understand the gospel, the Bible, the word of God, that simple church model and what it means to be a church and what it means to love one another and what it means to have a family and what it means to have a marriage and what it means to... To serve the Lord in sincerity and truth and to evangelize and to preach the gospel and not to apologize for what they believe. God has a reason that he's taught us all these things and that he's allowed all these trials and he'll make his dark providences plain. He has a reason why he let this happen. I, I, I can see that God will do something and all the forces of hell and Satan himself that came after this church, they weren't able to prevail because of Christ and because of his great commission and his promise to preserve his church. God, the, God didn't teach us all these things by accident. By the way, God didn't lead us to take the stands that we've taken over the years just for ourselves. It wasn't just for us. It was for this generation to see that they would know the Lord, that they would know and understand the truth, and that we would prepare them to take over. Right. But to teach them and to prepare them for one day that we would send them out. God may not have allowed other church planting, but now, you know what? The fields here in this church, right here, our church children are white already under the harvest. We have all the disciples that, that, that we need to train right here. Amen. And as God brings in more, we will by His grace. But you know what? These are our disciples to train right here. These are the ones. Right? Yeah. They're the ones that... You, you, we don't need to... You know, here's the thing. Most, most church, by the way, well, most people don't have children anymore. So I mean, that's why you go to most of these churches and we have more children than churches three times our size. Like you walk into their churches, and they, they don't have any children. Like there's no kids there. Right? So that's a whole other story altogether, isn't it? But the point is that when you look at that and you see that and you believe the Bible, this is the fruit of it. But God didn't give us all these children so we could keep them. Right. 
No, it was so we could raise them for His glory. And that God will do what He will with them. Some will stay, but some will go. Some will be sent. And it won't be through a Bible college. It won't be through some mission board. Yeah. It'll be done through His local New Testament church the simple way. And we won't have five other pastors from outside to come in and lay hands on them. No, it'll be the men of the church that ordain them and send them out for the work that God has called them to do. Why? Because that's the way it is in the Scriptures. That's why. And that's the way it'll be done. Marvel that. It's that simple, isn't it? It really is that simple, isn't it? Already being examined for years. And the best part is we know the boys are boys and the girls are girls. And that's going to be helpful in the years to come. It just really is. Right? Yeah. God has a reason He's taught us the things that He has. Let me say this to you, that we have an investment before us. We have preachers, possibly preachers in this room right now that will preach the gospel in foreign countries. We have preachers and keepers, we have keepers at home. But right here, we have godly wives and godly church members and mothers and fathers and helpers and gifts that God has given for his glory right before us. This is the work that we have. It's our it's our college. It's our training ground. It's our discipleship. It's all before us right here. This is why you take heed to the way that you do your work. This is why this is why some people tend to garden better than they raise their children. They care more for their garden. My dad's next-door neighbor cares more for his dog than he does humans. And he said so. Mm -hmm. Think about the mentality of the world. That guy doesn't care if that dog bites a child because it already did. It bit a child in the face and pulled it down to the ground because he's defending himself. But think about that. But here we have children right before us. We have our mission field. We, this, is, this is that Macedonian call right here. This is what God has given us. So you know what? When I look back and I think about this, when God shut the doors on those other church plants and he shut the doors on those other things, it was for a reason. Why? To raise up from our own and to send them out, and to prepare them, and to teach them. And that God, now we can't call them, only God can do that. But He is well able to. And it is, and we know that it's His will. And we know that He will. But think about that. So, here's the thing I want to close with, and I want you to think about. When God shuts a door, He always opens another one. Always. When he shuts a door on something, he opens it. He opens another one up and a clear vision and direction for you to go in. He does. That's why he allows. But sometimes it takes a little while because people are so busy looking at that door that's closed and lamenting the closed door that they're not pressing forward. They're not moving forward. They're still looking backwards at the door that they can't get through. They're trying to open a door that God shut and no man can open. And, and your might, your will, your desire, and nothing else will if God forbids it. Mm. 
It's like God never let anything stop this church from, from being here. He opened the door and no man could shut it. He, that was his work. Because I look at the ones around me that are closed now. I look at the ones that started with me or before me. And they left and went back into the went back into work and went back into making money and went back into everything else. And they're done. They walked away. I know men that told me they were called to preach and they are called to pastor and they went three months and then quit. Maybe six months. Six months, I think it was. They were done. Yeah, out in the middle of nowhere, right? But, but they were done. But when God opens that door, you're not done. I'm going to tell you what, there's no earthly reason what happened to me four years ago that I would still be preaching God's Word today. But there's a heavenly one. Because when God forbids certain doors, He opens others. That's why you have to look at your life and say, you know what, am I trying to open doors that God wants shut? Am I trying to, am I trying to look back? Am I ready to press forward? You know, sometimes we can be a slave to those other doors that are supposed to be shut. You know, sometimes you can feel loyalty to, to, to mom or dad, or you can feel loyalty to something earthly, and, and you won't progress in the Lord because you're loving father and mother more than the Lord. So you're not, or your, or husband or wife, that situation where somebody wants to get baptized or join a church or serve the Lord and be faithful to God or whatever, but they're afraid of what their husband or wife will say. You can't do that. You have to trust the Lord. Paul had to trust the Lord. He had to go through that. God said, nope, you're not going there. Nope, you're not going there. And he made it so the only place he had to go was straight forward. And he went straight forward and God showed him the ocean and said, well, that's where you're going. Amen. God will do that. But you know what? Had Paul not been obedient, how many blessings would he have lost? I would say this, that one way or another, Paul would have been obedient. Because when you're God's, you'll be obedient one way or another. Just like Jonah Jonah was the Lord's, and Jonah did not want to go down to Nineveh. He took a boat and went the other way. And then he had one whale of a time, didn't he? Right? Yeah, yeah. What a ride back home. (laughs) But I know that to be true, that if God wants you somewhere, you'll get there. Amen? One way or another. But I wonder how many times God is showing you there's something that He wants you just to walk away from and be done with, and you're just not willing to do it. He's forbidden you. He said, no, you're not going that way. Or even burdens. You know, we, we can have burdens. There's a lot of men that have burdens for ministry and burdens for different things, and God says, no, I don't want you to do that. My wife had such a burden for the deaf ministry for so long that it was very troubling to her that 
that Old Pass Baptist Church wouldn't be a, a deaf church in that sense. And, and I said, oh, honey, don't worry. They're deaf enough. They, they, they are, they're hard of hearing. They're dull of hearing, slow of hearing. It's, don't worry. I really do have a deaf ministry. You just pastor long enough, you'll figure out you have a deaf ministry. You've got deaf people among you, right, Jacob? What, did you hear me? Okay. All right. I'm kidding. But, but sort of kidding, right, Aaron? Sort of. But uh, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, think about that though. Uh, you know, she. It wasn't until she was willing to let go of that 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 she had peace in her heart, and the Lord blessed her, and she was able to press forward and really help people because she was able to let go of that. It was a burden, but was it what God wanted? No, God wanted her to follow her husband. Amen. God wanted Paul's obedience, and he was about ready to bless Paul in ways that he had never imagined before. The fruitful ministry that he had from that. Amen. Father in heaven, Lord, thank you. And uh, help us, Lord, to be consistent and to trust you. And Lord, sometimes you tell us no. Help us to accept whatever that is and ask for your vision and wisdom and direction. And Lord, sometimes you forbid it. Sometimes you suffer it not for a time. But Lord, you're in control. Help us to always remember that. Help us to trust you and thank you for speaking to us and thank you for showing us and teaching us. Thank you for your patience with us and thank you for closing doors that need to be closed and thank you for opening doors that no man can shut. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.